I'm just gonna turn it on now. Yeah. So, so we. Yeah. If anything Fair happens, enough. and now everyone is gonna get conscious and not say a word. Yeah. Now we're all gonna be quiet and serious. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 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 oh my god! My evil plan. <laughs> I was going to do that, like, right after you started talking. Oh, but yeah. That seemed like a good... You still could. <laughs> I might need a couple takes so I could use that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. We're good at this. <laughs> I mean, it is a good thing your cat isn't just, like, all over the table meowing when we're trying to record. Yeah. That would make Chaos. it a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. We would just leave that in. You would. Can we just make his face? Like, inst- let's just get rid of the book club. Where we can just put Kato's face. <laughs> Is this a, it's book, a book club, club for or cats? Cat <laughs> yeah. fan account. Yeah. Put some headphones on your cat and then Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Just have them listen to with, it. Like giant headphones on. <laughs> I like it. Photoshop. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like if if you would like to try it. <laughs> no. I, the image in my brain works yes. really well. The execution to get that image, I'm no. not prepared to handle that. No. <laughs> All right. Would you right. like to intro the podcast? Oh boy! I okay. think so. Yeah. All right. And here I go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should warn you. If I get into my laughter fences, like ten minutes gone. Stop. <laughs> this is all part of the forty-five minute intro. <laughs> That's where we're at. All right. Hello, book lovers, and welcome to Book Club, our cat podcast. Fuck, I messed that one up. All right, I gotta restart. <laughs> Man, I was I was so feeling it for a second it until was, I tried to say no, podcast. It was, it was great. It was one of those things of like I wasn't like, does he want us to like look or not look? Like, <laughs> I, like, I had to close my eyes. For yeah. Can I, I just looking. turn around in your seats? <laughs> I can't do this with an audience. All right. <laughs> okay, well now everyone's just obviously looking away. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we never had these problems when Karen introduced them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Hello, book lovers, and welcome to Book Club, a podcast for people who love books. I am your host, Michael. I am joined by Karen, Caroline, and Malika today. And today we will be talking about Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Karen introduced this book for us. So Karen, I will turn it over to you to uh, give an overview. Thank you. Hello. Yes, so the path of my suggesting Wild is a little bit roundabout in that years and years ago, I used to listen to another podcast called Dear Sugars, which was hosted by Cheryl Strayed and her sugar column colleague, Steve Almond. And so I kind of got to know Cheryl through that, pausing because I don't actually know Cheryl as a person, but... You're not on a first name basis with her? (laughs) (laughs) So I got to know about Cheryl's story through listening to that and just found her as a person really interesting and and I enjoyed hearing her story. And I also kind of thought of this as the quintessential book club book. Like when I think about 
Oprah book club and and people reading go-to books for this sort of thing. It was always kind of in the back of my mind. And then it's this journey of the PCT is an experience I've never imagined doing, even thinking about doing. So it was something really new to me. And then there was something just about Cheryl Strayed and how she talks about her family and her feelings that I find really kind of sympathetic and compelling. I like hearing how she tells stories. So I thought this could be a good one to talk about with this group. Before we get started, I just thought maybe we should define what the PCT is. So it's the Pacific Crest Trail. So if you hear us saying PCT, that's what it is. It's the, the trail that Cheryl hiked for 10 weeks. I now don't remember how long she was out there. I think it was sometime in June because she talks about the end of spring season going into summer. And later she talks about that it's a reverse, like summer to fall. So I think it was like... Uh, 10 weeks sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely over the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do we want to start with just initial reactions, thoughts, round robin? I thought it was a fascinating kind of exploration of like grief and working through it via nature. I'm not an outdoorsy girl, so it was kind of interesting to see what goes into preparing for a hike and then finding out that you're vastly not prepared for the hike. But it also seeing kind of the emotional journey she went through. So I thought it was interesting, but sometimes a little heavy too. So for me, I think uh, when I read this book, I read this in like seven years ago now, 2015. But it was a time when I used to do a lot of hiking. I was in Boise at that time. And when I came across this book, I'm like, oh, I got to read this. Not that this book is about hiking. Well... It is about hiking, but it's mostly about the journey of self-discovery of this woman who had a very tough life and she just wanted to discover herself and overcome the grief that she was going through. Yes, it's very dark, sometimes very heavy. I had to skip through some of the parts of the book, but it was very fulfilling in the end. Yeah, I would agree. If I had to reread this book, there are probably some scenes I would skip that were just a little bit too heavy for me. But overall, interesting story, very easy to pick up and read, really enjoyed that aspect of it. I like the pacing of parts of going through what she was doing on the trail at the time and then jumping back into a memory or a certain part of her past. I felt it kept it very interesting, kept me engaged throughout. Yeah, very good book of self-discovery and kind of growing and becoming who you were always meant to be. Yeah, and I found the beginning especially moving for me. Just I I did find a lot of what she went through in terms of dealing with her mother's death to be extreme but understandable. And I found it really interesting to see someone so willing to be open about her, what she was thinking and feeling and the mistakes she'd made along the way. I had kind of a mixed feeling of like, I like it a lot, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. And I think that's more a factor of 
I'm just not much of a big memoir nonfiction reader. So, so doing the whole like, oh, this is just set in reality and these are all real people was, I think I've maybe spent too much time in the nonfiction, or in the fiction <laughs> section, I should say. I'm sure it's the type of book that different sections stick out to different people. But before we get into that too much, has anyone been on the PCT? Were you aware of it before reading the book? So yeah, I have mostly because I went to Crater Lake a couple of times. I did not know about, I just saw like the board, PCT trail, not trailhead, like PCT trail this way or something. I have not hiked it, at least not that I'm aware of, (laughs) 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 but that's when I first heard about PCT and then I saw this book, I'm like, this sounds familiar, and then I looked it up, I'm like, oh yeah, it goes through Great Lake too. I knew it because my wife told me about it, (laughs) (laughs) because she had been near it. Uh, I think she was referencing this book earlier on when we were dating, and so she had talked to me about it, but that was the only exposure I'd had ahead of time. Yeah, I'm not a nature girly, so have not hiked it. I think the first time I might have heard of this book was when Reese Witherspoon made it into a movie. Mm -hmm. That's like the first time I kind of like maybe even heard of the PCT itself. So yeah. That's my relationship to it. (laughs) Non-existent. (laughs) I'm sure I probably heard on that Dear Sugars podcast, they probably said the acronym PCT, but it didn't, to my knowledge, never heard about it, never been anywhere near it, never been to any of the places that it crosses over. I've never hiked overnight, so this was 100% out of my realm of understanding. Yeah, overnight is something that just... I'm not dared it. Like, I've done a lot of day highs. The toughest one I have done is a Pikes Peak in Denver, where I started at, like, 4 a.m. But, no, with no, it was always a day backpack with me (laughs) with enough water, some snacks, but never thought about carrying the monster, like she called it, or Volkswagen Beetle. And what a great nickname she had for that backpack. backpack. (laughs) but never thought about it I don't know if I'll have the guts to do it to be honest yeah I I don't think I could ever really see myself hiking Mm -hmm. like this certainly not like this for for weeks and weeks on end maybe someone could convince me to do an overnight if it was like for something really exciting you need to see the next morning but otherwise no thanks (laughs) (laughs) Could you, Caroline, or Michael, see yourself hiking this? Oh, not, <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely not. <laughs> no, not I a chance. don't even, I'm trying to think if you could even get me to do like an overnight hike. And really the answer <laughs> is no. I'd like to pretend, kind of, Karen, to your point, if there was something like beautiful, I'd have to see that next morning. I'd be like, take a photo, show me, and yeah. after it. I think that's the honest truth. Yeah. Right. If Malika tells me she wants to do Pikes Peak with me, I'll be like, all right, you hike up, I'll take a car. I'll meet you at the top. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I, when I did that hike, I was with my friend Rohan and his wife and my husband. We tell them about it and they're like, nope, we'll meet you up. <laughs> We're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think we've said this before, but just in case, Michael and Malika are married to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for... I I keep trying to think of a way to slip that naturally in. Yeah, nope. I don't think there is an easy... It is, no, not... I think someone can probably connect the dots. (laughs) Our astute listeners will know. Yeah, I I think you might have said it at one point but you keep saying my wife and you keep saying my husband i'm like let's just (laughs) (laughs) so we all know that we this is the glamping party we're we're probably not going out on the trail like this but if we can stretch our imaginations and imagine being on the trail for this long what would be your treat at your stops, like Cheryl had her, I think it was pink lemonade Snapple or just lemonade Snapple. Any thoughts on what your treat would be? And every time she talks about like burgers and fries, yeah, like, that would probably just something super unhealthy, mm-hmm. fried, crunchy. Spicy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I would kill for a biryani. <laughs> that would be my treat. 100%. You might have trouble finding it in some of those stuff. I know, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but if I find it, that's yeah. the treat that would keep you going. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> find one to the next which biryani. biryani. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think maybe like a really like a fountain diet coke would be it mm. for me. With like the nice like crunchy ice. Yeah. I keep going back and forth because part of me wants to do like a cherry or vanilla coke Mm -hmm. but my snack would be oreos most likely but those can be kind of dry on their own so it's some Mm. some combination of yeah exactly would you get the flavored oreos or just the plain regular i mean whatever they have (laughs) (laughs) beggars can't be choosers (laughs) i i kind of expect these teeny tiny stores would only have like the four pack of plain oreos Mm. but whatever they got (laughs) (laughs) but if you can find the peanut butter graham cracker yep that i tried for the first time today at karen's place putting a plug in (laughs) quite delicious wait baki did you say what your treat was burger and fries although a nice beer like a cold beer would be that'd be the other thing every time she talked about that in the book i was like that sounds really good after like imagining what she went through on that whole hike I love the part when she ran across those two guys and they had two beers and they left one in the stream and then left and then yelled back to her to tell her, hey, this way you can't give it back to us. That was so sweet, but so just fun. So speaking of people that Cheryl met on the trail, what do you think it was about her that maybe inspired people to be so so generous like it wasn't until the end that a couple of the guys she met were like you get way better treatment than than any of (laughs) us do what do you think it was about her i do wonder in the book she is so open about everything in her life and if she comes across that way when you meet her and so you have this sense of wanting to open up to this person as well because they're very warm, welcoming, whatever you want to call it to you. There's probably also a part of it just being a woman hiking alone on this trail. And it seems like most of the people she meets are either single or like two or three guys at a time. That maybe makes people want to help her out a little bit more, realizing just how much she's undertaking to do this by herself. Yeah, I would add the, basically I had the the same thought of 
I think there are some people who are just seem more open and, and willing to speak and be spoken with that. I think that's where a lot of that came from. It's kind of hard to put into words, but I think that's why like at the end, she's just sitting on a bench eating ice cream and a lawyer comes by and is like, here's my number. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which it's like, I think there are some people that that sort of thing just happens to. And she also seems to be genuinely interested in people and willing to trust and willing to be open and talk about herself with them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. I think that was a part of it as well. I think she doesn't talk about it too much, but anytime she sees a mirror and she says like she has become leaner, she almost doesn't recognize herself. I really wonder, like in addition to that openness, it was this like tough look about her, which just made her even more interesting. Like she was weathered. She was not the girl who couldn't lift her backpack at the motel. She was she could lift her backpack, she could walk thousands of miles, and she just had this tough personality. That's why the lawyer gave her his number. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it goes back to that openness and that willingness to be open with people, loving, interacting with people. I kind of get that sense about her, and I think that that's part of it. And then again, being a woman alone on the trail, and I think you know, maybe at the first, like, rest stop where there were the guys that helped her, like, lighten her pack and were like, oh, like, you are wearing boots that are too small. Like, not that they felt sorry for her, but they were trying to take care of her in their own way while still letting her be on her own journey. So I think that was part of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Nobody ever tried to say, like, well, I'll slow down and stay with you or I'll like no one tried to take it away from her they were all like we we have knowledge that can help you succeed but it's up to you if you want to Mm -hmm. take it or or change the way you're approaching this I did really appreciate that everyone on the trail maybe it's just the mindset of hiking that trail but it's hey if we're going at the same pace, we'll hang out together, we'll maybe see you at the camps. If we don't, we don't, and that is totally fine. Like, there were no expectations, there were no obligations that anyone had, and I think that did make it definitely more special, but helped it be everybody's own hike as opposed to, no, it's got to be this big group thing. I think that's one thing about the PCT, and even the AT, the, I think it's called Appalachian. Depends on where you're from, but yes, Appalachian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I hope I said that right. But I think what both of these people go on, these are not easy trails. Like even a portion of it is not easy. And people go on it for a purpose, for a reason. And that's a common understanding that no one is a damsel in distress over there. They are there for a reason and they're, they're on their own. I mean, who would, who would go willingly on a trail which is supposedly <laughs> very dangerous You can slip on ice, fall off a cliff, anything could happen and no one will ever know. So there's always a reason. And that part I really took from this book that it was true to its core in that sense. Like no one treated her as a damsel in distress because she was alone, even if she did or she didn't tell them why she was there. They all understood why she was there. 
That brings up something else I occasionally would remember that none of these people had phones on them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one thing I wondered about. Like, this was 1995. Like, how yes. does the experience change in 2023? I'm not looking to explore that and try and answer <laughs> that question, but I, I found it very interesting that, like, to get the weather report on, like, the snowpack she had to call like the bureau of land management oh, yeah. and i would be like absolutely not talking on the phone i'm gonna google it can't get it that way guess i won't find out <laughs> and and come to think of like all the people she met it seemed like they could be genuine friends but there was no way to keep in touch really mm -hmm. like they could oh yeah kind of write down their number but everyone's traveling so light they might not even have a notebook and she probably didn't even have a phone number at the time i was surprised she could look up people after like she commented on some of the people she'd met on the trail and mm -hmm. what happened to them mm -hmm. and i always wondered how she was able to find them i don't know it kind of like reminds me of summer camp in a way that like you i don't know you're there for two weeks six weeks whatever kind of similar amount of time but like everybody's your best friend but then like you just go back to your separate lives at the end and like it doesn't take away from the fact that you all went through this experience together and you like had friendships felt love for them but like they're not usually in your everyday life and you just like had an experience had a time and then you go back to everything else so yeah, the, the other thing about not having technology on the trail for me was the idea of not being able to listen to music or to audiobooks mm. or something. I kept going back and forth on like, I wonder if people do that now, or maybe they don't because you don't want to have to carry a phone charger. I'm sure maybe I'm sure people have phones for safety now, maybe. But I, I kept going back and forth on like, if I were to lose my mind and do this, would I try to bring music of some sort or something to listen to instead of just having to be alone with my thoughts for two plus months. And that's a good question. Do you think that's necessary? Like if she had headphones and ample power supply to just listen, would this journey have meant less or changed her less than it did having to do it without all those creature comforts that you would have at home? Well, the one thing that she talks about when you think about like music, for me, when I listen to music or something, I want to kind of distract myself from my own thoughts. But she went on this to be with those thoughts, to basically almost face them head on because you're alone on this trail. The most noise you're going to hear is the wind, trees rustling, or probably nothing, or some animals. And she mentions it multiple times in the book that the it was about survival it was about putting that one foot in front of the other and for like she went through a lot of miles before she thought i thought i will think about my mother i thought i will i'll think about everything that had happened about my divorce but she hadn't really thought about it for like many many miles many days because all that mattered was a survival it's a matter of, I think, the mindset of why would you go on the trail like this. But I think what I would miss the most of the newish technology is a GPS. I would not want to look at a map to an, or a compass to figure out where, where am I. I want a battery-operated GPS, which can work wherever I am. No signal required. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would nice. 
like a nice little Google Maps <laughs> track things for me. Especially when she was like walking through the snow and there was she couldn't see I guess like the trail markers. That was anxiety inducing for me. I was like, I cannot do that. So I like knowing where I am and where I need to go. Yep. When like there was no and I think she got lost as well at one point on a yeah. very, mm. very hot day yeah. as well. But GPS is what I will use the most. <laughs> that is fair. So we're gonna take a break here and we'll be back with you shortly. Okay, everyone, and welcome back. We are getting started with our second session here. I want to give a quick shout out to Lakewood Vineyards. We have opened one of their long stem whites and are drinking that around the table now. I think pretty positive receptions. I'm seeing some <laughs> <Yes>. nods, <laughs> seeing some happy faces. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so this section will either be much better or much more not better. <laughs> I know. We're about to find out. Only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll jump back in with a question. Some reviewers found Strayed empathetic, while others saw her as selfish and foolish. Just kind of wondering, what do all of you feel about her, and what were your thoughts while reading the book? I can kick us off. I found her really sympathetic or empathetic in, like, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I could really understand kind of where a lot of her behaviors came from. And I knew in reading reviews that there are people who are like, why would you ever behave this way? No one would really do this. And I remembered thinking like, well, when you're imploding emotionally, I do think that people do this sort of behavior from her drug use and infidelities all the way up to thinking I was an outdoor kid. Maybe I can if I become an outdoor adult, everything will be okay again. I can understand why people would see her as foolish. I mean, it is pretty foolish to pack a backpack that weighs as much as you do when you're going to be carrying it on your back for weeks on end. But I don't think that came from a place of stupidity so much as a place of desperation. Like, I'm just... I think if she took the time to think about what she was doing, she wouldn't even have done it. So that's kind of where I straddled the fence with her. Yeah, I kind of saw her as both. Like, she made some foolish decisions, but I think a lot of it just stems from grief, and I have not experienced grief at that same kind of, like, fundamental level. So, like, I can sit here and think, oh, I wouldn't try and implode my life, but who's to say I wouldn't? And I wouldn't make some of those same decisions. So I had sympathy for her. I could see where she was coming from. And then again, to the point of like, she clung to this like decision that she was going to hike the PCT. She was going to do this and kind of regress back to like who she was meant to be kind of thing. And, and maybe that was like a snap decision, but I also think it speaks to just her kind of conviction that like, we're doing this, maybe we aren't going to think it fully through, but we're doing this. So I think there's something to be said for her commitment. Yeah. So judging her for any of her decisions is not at all fair because I have not experienced losing someone who is the center of your world and that kind of grief. So whatever decisions she made, I don't know what her mental state was, but 
what I got from this book that she is brave enough to yes it was a snap decision to do this hike because just a few months to plan a PCT hike is no joke like she met someone on the trail who had been planning it for a few years but she stuck to it like Caroline you said and she was brave enough to be alone with her thoughts in those brief moments what really stuck to me on how she accepted that grief of her mother not being there was when she was hiking in Oregon and it was her mother's birthday and she tried to think negative about her how she was not a good mother but she was the best mother who did everything she could and it's just the whole journey she had of accepting who she was forgiving herself for the decision she made that was i think the most important thing and the fact that she was brave enough to be alone with her own thoughts i have not gone through anything that she had but i would still not be want to be alone with my own thoughts for that period of time with dead silence with no other noise except my mind so i think she was very brave i felt sorry for her in the beginning but she was very very brave to take this step to discover herself I definitely went back and forth a bit. I think Caroline, like you, you know, there are parts of her that I thought were kind of foolish or just, yeah, hard to imagine kind of why you would think or, or do that. And then parts of her that I found very admirable. And I was actually hiking the trail was not one of the foolish parts. For me, that was, I, I get it, not a lot of planning went into it, but realizing that you need some drastic change in your life and clawing yourself kind of out of that, I don't know if I want to call it like a pit of despair, but you know, clawing yourself out of like a deep, dark place that you've mm -hmm. been for a while is not easy. Because the, the easy part would have been to just continue doing that and let your life completely spiral. But she was able to stop it and pull herself back and come out of it a stronger and a better person. And I think that speaks a lot to her character more than anything else she maybe did before. What everyone was saying just also made me think it's kind of a good sign that she was able to write herself as a rounded person. Like she doesn't try to say that she was really good at this. Like there there are moments, you know, she'll call herself an Amazon or a badass. And then in the next paragraph, she'll be like, oh, I'm a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so she she really was able to kind of be humble with herself while also being able to acknowledge I'm doing something that not a lot of other people would even be willing to attempt. Mm. And I thought that was kind of admirable because I know it, it can be really easy to either be completely down on oneself or overconfident. And she was able to kind of say, we're all both. Sometimes we make silly choices and sometimes we're really proud of ourselves and she's a person. <laughs> and I I feel like it, it might be harder to convey that than I would have thought at first. I think she hit that really well. And I noticed a lot with her mother. Uh, the way she talked about her mom at the beginning of the book was all rosy and all the things she did perfectly and why she was this wonderful mom. And it wasn't until later that she started to get into, as Malika said, you know, the things she did that wasn't so great. That didn't make her the best mom in the world. 
And I think the way she reconciled that is true for anyone is you're just a human being. You're doing the best that you can. You're not always going to be perfect and that's fine. And so she could hang on to this very positive, you know, loving image of her mother while also realizing her mother wasn't perfect, that she did have these shortcomings. And I think that helped her realize that within herself as well. She has her own shortcomings to deal with, but she can still be a good person in spite of that. I would briefly add, I also think it's interesting that she touches on, I think it's okay to be angry with someone after they die. Like to say, it really sucks that you died and I'm mad at you for doing that. Yeah. While knowing that the person, when you have cancer, you don't really get that much of a say in, mm. in whether you stay or go. But it's okay to say I'm mad at this person for leaving as as if they had any control over it because there's just so much feeling there. Yeah, I think I was very close to my maternal grandparents and I lost them in high school. Very, like within a year of they both passed. And that year was the most angry year <laughs> of my life. I just wanted to, I don't know, I, I used to get mad so easily. I did not know what I was mad about, but I was just mad. Not saying that I understand what losing a mom feels like. But one thing I did notice is it takes guts to understand or accept or even say out loud anything negative about the people you love, including yourself. And when you do it, it's kind of liberating. And that doesn't mean that you don't love them. You're just accepting them as a person they were. And that was really nice that she was able to do that. The one thing I really liked in this whole, she never defended herself for any of her choices. It was done. She did that and it was in the past. She's not going to repeat that. She's going to want to be a better person. But that doesn't mean she is. she doesn't have to make any more mistakes. Making mistakes is human. A function of being <laughs> alive. A function of being alive. <laughs> I did find that refreshing. It's not trying to explain away everything she did and why she did it there was just hey it happened i'll give you what's going on in my life you draw your own conclusions but this is what i did and you know i'm gonna learn from it and move on and that brings us nicely into another questions <laughs> about how strayed she really was quite forthright in her description of things do we feel like that can be a character's strength, or is there a little bit of a flaw in saying what's done is done? Both. It, it can very easily, if, if you don't learn from it, it can definitely be a flaw. Because you think, oh, I've done it, there's no changing the past, but I'm not going to learn from it. But if you take it as a growth opportunity, and you work to make yourself a better person coming out of it, then absolutely, it can be a very big strength. I would agree. It, it can be both. It just depends on how you learn from it. Do you learn from it? Or do you say, well, I've done it. I'll do it again. So it's both. I think being able to recognize why you did something, why you transgressed is also important, especially when it comes to things like infidelity. I think in her case, the infidelity was a symptom and she was, I think, this is a little bit of a, of a tangent, but I think a lot of infidelities tend to be people trying to blow up their relationship without going to the other person and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. And she might not even have known that she didn't want to be there anymore. She just, I thought it was really interesting 
when she was in a hotel, I think with Greg, and she said, if he invited me in, I would go just to have a warm body next to me. It wouldn't be emotional. It wouldn't be meaningful. It would just be, I want someone next to me who isn't my husband, who I don't have to care about, really. I think there's something to be said for her being able to say, I did a bad thing. And like you mentioned, she learned from it and she knew that she was acting out the feelings that she couldn't find words for. I think what she does in the future matters more because yes, what's done was done. Why it was done? Like you said, it was a symptom of something else. I think it was a character flaw for half of the book when she was talking about her past, but it was strength for the later half when she was hiking that PCT because the purpose was to better herself. All right, so I think this is a pretty good wrapping up point. We'll go around the table for one final question. I am curious, what is everybody's version of what Cheryl Strait did? So what is your version of the PCT trail hike? And I can kick us off, and I would say my version would probably be to quit my job and take half a year, a full year, and just travel around the world. Just not necessarily backpacking in the sense of hiking, but you know, having very few possessions with me and just going to different countries, different continents, and spending time in places I've never been before, don't know anything about, but would love to learn more. Shit. <laughs> it's like, this is yeah. so hard. I'm I know. like, tempted <laughs> to take your answer. I know. I know. Can I take that? <laughs> just ditto. Ditto. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe... The thing that would be hardest for me would just to be by myself with my thoughts. So maybe something like a meditation retreat or something like that where my technology is forcibly taken away from me. So I just have to be with myself. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but I think that would be kind of my personal PCT. I think mine would be something like solo bouldering. I don't think I would ever actually do it to the extreme that professionals do it, but the idea of like just being on your own, making your own path up a natural rock formation is something I find really kind of inspiring. And I have like kind of strange fear of heights in that I think I would be okay because you're facing the wall, but there's the knowledge that there's <laughs> a lot of air behind you. <laughs> I think in pursuing something like that would be my PCT. I think this is something I had always always wanted to do, but never had the thought or the guts. And as I said, like, I have hiked, but never really spent the night in the wilderness because I'm terrified of what animal jumped me. So I think that's why I kind of connected with this book a little, because this is something I would love to do someday. But that will be very out of my comfort zone because I do not... I still like a warm bed and a shower. <laughs> I, yeah, just thought of like being out in the wild, finding a place in the dark so I can pitch my tent, make some food, hopefully warm myself, and hopefully no bear comes. But if I have to pick a section of the PCT trail, I would definitely do the Crater Lake. That's my favorite place. 
Okay, and so we will wrap up there. That was our versions of the PCT, what we would do instead. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us, direct message on Instagram, at bookclubcast at gmail.com, or via Patreon. And one last thing before we go, next month we will be discussing the book The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton, and we hope you tune in then. I would like to add a parting thought, which is, bears can fuck right off. (laughs) (laughs) I'll second that one. Bye. 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 Bye.